Welcome, and thank you for streaming this sermon. At Heritage Baptist Church, we believe that the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus can truly change lives. So it is our hope and prayer that this service stirs up your affection for Christ and helps you to draw closer to Him. For more information, please visit hbchazlett.org. you. Take your Bible, please, and turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. As you're turning there on the back display table, we do have a basket of army soldiers or marines, depending upon your branch, right? And uh, we want you to take one if you'd like and remember to pray for our military. I think what we saw, the difficulty our military had during the evacuation of Afghanistan, not always easy to serve your nation and your country. But take one, pray for them. Let them know that you are upholding them in prayer. On Veterans Day, Veterans Appreciation Day, we always share with you a story of a veteran. And today we're looking at a veteran's courage under fire during the Korean War. She is just four years old, four years, when she joined the Marine Corps. She stood 56 inches high and weighed 900 pounds. And gentlemen, I present to you Reckless. She is a horse that was a pack horse for the United States Marine Corps. The name Reckless came from the gun, a 75 millimeter recordless rifle. This was her job. She was a pack horse scheduled to carry nine 24-pound shells. She was taught to kneel down under barbed wire. She was taught to lie down during gunfire. She was taught to go inside a bunker during enemy shelling. She was like a dog. She was like a mascot. She had free run of the camp. And whatever tent she went into, she was fed something Probably not what horses usually eat. Her favorite breakfast? Scrambled eggs, pancakes, and Coca-Cola. She also loved peanut butter and bacon, chocolate bars, and mashed potatoes. But on March 26, 1953, near the end of the Korean War, while the North Koreans were making their big push, there was a battle of outpost Vegas. Reckless was tested in battle on that day. She carried, in the three-day battle, over 9,000 pounds of ammunition. And on one day, March 26, she made 51, 51 individual trips by herself, a round trip of 35 miles. She knew exactly where her Marines were in the front lines. She knew exactly the camp to go back to. They loaded her up with ammunition and sent her on again. 51 times. On return trips, she would carry a wounded Marine. Her 51 trips during that time came at times when heavy enemy shelling at 500 rounds per minute rained down on her and her Marines. She was injured twice, once over the left eye, once over her left flank. She did help save her Marines. In 1954, she was given a battlefield promotion to corporal, 
Later on, in 1959, she was given the promotion to sergeant, and then later on, by the four-star general of the United States Marine Corps, she was promoted to staff sergeant of the United States Marines. She was awarded several medals, Purple Hearts and Abundance, uh, Korean Service Medals and Abundance. She was even listed on the top 100 greatest heroes of Life magazine, along with Audie Murphy and many other heroes. During her retirement at Camp Pendleton, California, there were over 3,000 in attendance. I never got that when I retired. When she died in May 1968, she died at the age of 20. She was given full military honors, and it was said, and I quote, she wasn't a horse, she was a Marine. Like Reckless, all Christians will have their faith tested under fire. First Peter chapter 1, we look at verse number 7. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than that of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory of the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't like our testing of faith by fire. But in the mind and value of God's thinking, it's much more precious than that of gold. Because when God wants us to have an experience with him, when God wants us to have a closer relationship with him, watch out. He'll send a trial of faith by fire. As Christians, we are expected to have a walk of faith. As Christians, we are expected to have our daily life, daily as a walk of faith. It's not a goal to achieve when it's daily. It's normal. It's expected. In fact, we are told in Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if you don't have a walk of faith daily, you're not pleasing God. Put upon us, it makes it very serious. Living by faith is how we are expected to see the promises of God in our life. Like reckless, we need heroes of the faith. We need men and women who show their daily lives in this sinful culture and world what that Christian can be all about as they live and walk by faith. Hebrews 11, if you'll turn there, is the Heroes of Faith book. They are examples how to live and walk by faith. Today, we find in Hebrews 11, verse 17 to 19, an example of Abraham. Verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence... Also, he received him in a figure, indeed, Abraham's test of faith. Father, as we look at the scriptures and the life of Abraham, and maybe even examine our own life, are we living and walking by faith? Are we trusting you daily for things in our lives that we just cannot take care of ourselves? I pray that we will. I pray that we are. And I pray that we'll see the example of Abraham, but more importantly, the example of you honoring faith, 
rewarding faith as we trust you and believe you. For it's in Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. In Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 10, the first trial of faith for Abraham. He was called out of his home, the Ur of Chaldees. He was going to a place that he did not know. It's like traveling without GPS. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just traveling somewhere that God tells me to. Later on, he was told by God, I'm going to give you a child. Even at your age, at the age of 75, I'm going to tell you now, later on, you're going to have a child, a child of promise. And this is going to be my entrusted faith unto you. In Hebrews 11, verses 17 to 19, God gave Abraham a retest of his faith. Second time. You see, faith is a required course. It's not an elective. Sometimes we think our trials are an elective thing. No, no, no. If you're going to walk by faith, if you're going to have a life by faith, you can expect to be tested, and rightly so. It is required. It's going to happen. And what God wants for us all is a closer walk with him. It's a higher level of experience with him. It's a relationship that only he can give us that we may not seek out on our own, but God is willing to give it to us. So the question we have to ask, how close do you want to be with God? How, how close do you want to be with him? What kind of a relationship do you want with him? Are you willing to be tested in your faith to have that close relationship? Are you willing to be tested and under fire like reckless to be able to have a closer walk with God? How much does it mean to you? Hebrews 11, 17 to 19 was Abraham's final test. And turn with me to Genesis 22. Genesis 22 is an example of what we're looking at here. Offering up Isaac. We know this test was significant because it doesn't make sense. There are going to be times that you're going to be tested by God and it will not make sense. It will seem to be impossible. It's going to go against human logic. That's okay. It's God's way of saying, I've got something big for you. Something big. Because I'm not going to give you something average, ordinary. I've got something big and it's going to seem to be impossible. But with me, all things are possible. It's going to seem not to make sense, but with me, all things will make sense when you see it my way. So when you get things impossible, watch out. God is going to go big in your life. In Genesis 22, look at verse number one. It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went into the place which God had told him. Now God did not give Abraham any details. He just said, go, go. Go to the mountain, and I will fill in the details later. We're detail-oriented. Many of us will not do anything for God unless we know why, when, where, how much, and what's going to do for us. But God doesn't do that. God is saying, if you're going to act by faith and live by faith and walk by faith, you just go where I tell you, I'll tell you later. That's much like the military. 
Many times we're not told what we're going to do, when we're going to do it, how we're going to do it. We're just told and commanded to go. And then later, the details come in later. This is how God works with us. This test made no sense. How was Abraham and Isaac supposed to go up and worship God if the impossible is being asked of him? How can I worship and honor my God if he's requiring my son? Seems to be impossible. Goes against logic. Abraham, Isaac, and the two men needed the burnt offering and had them all, and they went into a place, verse number three, which God had told him. Abraham had obeyed in every way, without any details. More details were going to come later in his life. And yet, a walk of faith is measured by our actions. A walk of faith is measured by our actions. Do we trust and believe God in the scant details that we may or may not have? A walk of faith is measured by our actions. Faith without works is dead. So we find here that a walk in faith is something God wants. Verse number four and five. We find here, then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, saw the place afar off. Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Wait a minute, Abraham. Hold on, hold on. Well, coming back, both of you? If I remember correctly, God told you to go, offer up your son. How can both of you come back? Indeed, when we're called to faith, we need to speak God's truth despite human logic, despite the impossible, despite what doesn't make sense. Abraham said, we will return. That's faith. Hebrews 11, 19, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead. Isaac was a child of promise, and the great nation to be coming there. So God had a great miracle. If my son is going to be this child of promise that he said, then that means that God's going to have to come through. God's going to have to do something big, fantastic, better and more than anything I could ever hope or imagine. God has something in store for me. Do you think that way? In the midst of your trial and faith, and when things are falling down on you as reckless, 500 shells a minute coming down on you, do you think that God has something big for you? When life is tough and things don't go your way, do you think God has something big for you? We will return. We will return. Uh, God isn't going to let any of his promises die. We find that for a fact because Jesus was the son of God promised for the salvation of the world. And he was not going to let his only son stay in that tomb. He was not going to let him be there forever. And the promises of God are much the same. He's not going to let any of those promises die and remain dead. He's going to resurrect them in each and every way. Do you have something in your life that needs to be resurrected? Do you have a promise that you thought died and was non-existent? Are there prayers that you thought God would never come through with? Do you need a resurrection of some kind in your life? So what happened here with Abraham? We find, where did Abraham get that trust? Where did he get that faith from God? Where did he have the trust and knowledge 
that Isaac would be raised from the dead from his wife, Sarah. He knew God resurrected my wife's womb. And in that womb, she was able at the age of 99 to bear Isaac. And God resurrected this old man, Abraham. I wasn't able to have children, but God allowed that to happen. What resurrections do you need in your life? That's the trust and faith that Abraham banked on. He saw it. If it was true then, it will be true now on the top of Mount Moriah. Do you go back and look at past victories? Do you go back and look at past answered prayer? Do you think God is dead, not able to take care of your needs now? If he took care of your needs back then, he's able to take care of them then, and he's able to take care of them now. God raised up a dead womb. This is a fiery trial of faith. You know, we never get too old to be tested. Abraham was 100 plus. I don't care your age here today. We're never too old to be trusted. Some of us seniors, we are, it takes a lot of faith as we live and our bodies ache and no longer function as they once did. And we go to doctor visits and get blood work and lab work and doctor results. It's not sissies to be a senior. You have to be strong to be a senior to go through all of these things that we go through today. Expect to be tested. Genesis 22, verse 7, Isaac said, Dad, if we're going to worship, we have no lamb. Where's the sacrifice? You brought along everything we needed, but where is the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? Abraham's answer, verse 8, God will provide for himself a burnt offering. And not to worry about it, God will provide. Here was a son, Isaac, asking his father, a manly, godly man of faith, Dad, you've always told me about the things of faith. You've always encouraged me in the things of faith. So where's the sacrifice? Son, I don't have an answer. I don't. There are going to be times, dads, in our lives where things will come up in our family and we don't have the answer. And we have to tell our kids, I really don't know. I don't know how God's going to come through. I don't know what he's going to do. But let's get on our knees right now and let's pray about it. Let's talk to God about it. Let's reveal to God that we are empty without him. We don't know the answer in each and every way. Verses 9 and 10, we find here that they came to the place which God had told him. Abraham built an altar there, laid the wood in order, bound Isaac his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood, and Abraham stretched forth his knife and took the knife, stretched forth his hand, took the knife to slay his son. Abraham obeyed God completely, laid Isaac on the altar, raised his hand. He didn't balk. He didn't hesitate. He did not argue with God. Note the age difference here. At the age of 100, Isaac was born. Now Isaac is a small as a lad, maybe 12, maybe up to his 20s. I can well imagine that a 12-year-old or 20-year-old can easily overwhelm and outpower their 120-year-old dad? Yeah. But Isaac stayed there. And it's a wonderful thing because he trusted his father's faith. Whoa. Brother Leper gave us a great devotion yesterday during our men's breakfast about raising families today and how the faith of our fathers is to be first and foremost and primary. Abraham 
Yes. I don't understand how, but God's going to come through. But dad, if you believe God, I'll stay here on this altar. Dad, if you trust God that much, I'll stay wherever you want me to stay. Do you kids have that faith in your dad? Do you have that faith to be able to tell your sons, I don't have the answer, but God's going to come through. And do you have a history, a history of showing them faith and what God had said he would do? What happened here with Abraham and with Isaac? It's nice when family sees and understands faith. Verse number 11, the angel of the Lord calls out. That's Jesus. He calls out his name twice. It's getting Abraham's attention. Verse 12, it says, Now, now I know that thou fearest God, and seest that thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, from me. Now, hold on just a minute. Theologically, there's a problem here. Now I know. God, you know everything, and you're just now knowing him? You're just now finding that out? You see the beginning from the end. How could you just now know Jesus lived on this earth as a man. Hebrews 4.15, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings, with the feelings of our infirmities. I now know. I now know. I sense the love. I, I sense your commitment. I, I sense the faith. Now I know. As I saw you raise your hand with that knife and about to slay your son, now I get it. I get it. I now know. You have followed through in your faith for me. So, faith is an act of love. And God knows that. God can feel that. God can experience that. That fiery test of faith is an act of love. So God, he really did not want Isaac. God wanted Abraham. He wanted Abraham's faith. He wanted Abraham's love. He wanted Abraham's devotion. He just wanted Abraham to detach himself from Isaac and give his adoration to him, God. Do you have an Isaac in your life that needs to be laid on the altar? Do you have something that you are afraid to give to God? Is there something that you don't want on that altar? Is there something that would hinder your walk with the Lord and yet you're afraid to give it and give it up? I don't know what it is, but we all have Isaacs in our life. And during the invitation, maybe you need to come and lay your Isaac at the altar because God wants you, not the item. He wants you. He wants your love, your devotion, your faith, your trust in him. That's what he wanted from Abraham. Verse 13, we find Abraham lifted up his eyes, looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went forth and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Abraham saw a ram caught in the thicket. The Lord will provide. The Hebrew word was Jehovah Jireh. God was going to provide. How God provided was that he knew ahead of time how he was going to provide for Abraham. Abraham had no idea. Remember, he told his son, I don't know. Somehow God's going to provide. But he knew that God would. And here, God, knowing in advance, seeing in advance, and a priest seeing, knows what we need before we know we need it. Turn to John chapter 6 for a minute. John chapter 6. Wonderful illustration in the New Testament for the disciple Peter. Peter had to learn, as he asked a question about the feeding of the 5,000. 
And God, the Lord, quizzed him. John chapter 6, look at verse number 5. John 6, verse number 5. And when Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he, Jesus, said to prove him, that was the testifier, and for he, Jesus, himself, knew. He already knew what he was going to do. Did you, do you understand that God already knows what he's going to do for us? He's just looking for our faith. He's looking for our trust. He's looking for us to acknowledge him. And before the ram was ever known, Abraham and Isaac went up one side of the mountain, and God was ready just in case, just in case Abraham's faith came through. And on the other side was this ram. They both came up to the mountain, and there the ram stayed. The ram didn't make any noise. He was quiet. In fact, he ended up being the quietest ram in the history of rams being caught in the thicket. There was nothing he did to make himself known in any way. This ram was so quiet, the provision that God made had not yet been revealed. That's why he was quiet. I don't want that ram to be known yet. I don't want the provision to be known yet. Why? Because I've got to see Abraham come through in his faith. When he raises that hand up and gets ready to slay his son, now I know, now I know he's got faith in me, and now I'll show him that ram. Are there things in your life that unanswered prayers? Things that God, you think, hasn't come through, and you're disappointed in him? And, and you're disillusioned in him? You're disgusted at him. God hasn't come through for me. Maybe you haven't expressed complete faith. Maybe you haven't completely obeyed him. There are Christians who haven't completely obeyed God, and they've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for years 20 years, 25 years, 30 years for God to come through and he hasn't come through yet because they haven't completely trusted him and obeyed him. You see, God's got provisions all along. Abraham had disappointed God 25 years earlier. I mean, he'd fallen, he'd failed. And now the second test. In this second test, he said, I, I've got a ram provided for you, Abraham, but you've got to show me that you trust me. Christian, We've got to show God that we trust him. We've got to reveal to God that we completely obey him, that we believe him before even seeing it. That is what God does. I've got my provisions already there. I pre-see what I'm going to do for you. It's waiting, it's waiting, it's waiting. I'm just waiting for you to be completely obedient. Have faith in me. You know, this test that Abraham gave was given was something that God wanted to come through. It's like a teacher saying, I want you to pass. I want to provide for you. I have great things for you, and God does. God wants us to pass all tests. He wants us to come through for all tests. He's got provisions waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. How many provisions have you and I not received because we haven't completely trusted him? They're held in reserve. They may be in a big old building somewhere in heaven that we have not yet received. Trust and faith. Does God see that we have faith in him completely, even when it seems absurd and impossible? Does it make sense? Is that of human logic? 
Been waiting to receive your provisions lately? Still no answer? God will wait to provide until he sees our faith. Genesis 22, verse 17, uh, verse 15, I'm sorry. And it says here, the angel of the Lord called out the second time. He said, by myself have I sworn unto the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee and multiply I, as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of the enemies. Because you have obeyed me, Abraham, because I saw your hand raised up, because I saw that you were getting ready to obey me completely to the very letter of the law. I will provide. Therefore, we saw that Abraham saw the ram, offered him up as a sacrifice. But have you ever wondered where and what was going through Abraham's mind before going to Mount Moriah? I'm sure he was asking on the three-day journey to Mount Moriah. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I don't want to kill my son, but if I'm going to be obedient to God, I've got to follow through. I've got to do this somehow. Genesis 22, look at verse 4. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Hold on here and go to John chapter 8. John 8 for a minute. Time is getting away from us, but you've got to see this Bible verse. John chapter 8. In John 8, the Pharisees and Sadducees were arguing with Jesus. They did this quite frequently. And one of the things they argued about that we, Pharisees, we are the descendants of Abraham. What about you, Jesus? Jesus told them in chapter 8, look at verse number 39. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Now you seek to kill me, a man that have told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham, for you do the deeds of your father. He continues on, look at verse number 55. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. I know Abraham. And if thou should say, I know him not, I shall be a liar like, like unto you. But I know him, and keep the saying, your father Abraham. Rejoice to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Really? Really? When did Old Testament Abraham rejoice and see the day of Jesus? Genesis 22, verse 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes. Do you realize that Mount Moriah and Calvary are on the same plateau? They're the same mountaintop. And when Jesus here, when Abraham Followed through, and on that third day, he looked up, not knowing what was going to happen. What did he see? He saw Jesus on that third day as Christ rose from the dead. Hey, if Jesus can raise from the dead the third day, I know my son's not going to die. He's going to be raised from the dead. That's when Jesus saw, that's when Abraham saw Jesus and was confident, confident that my son will live. So what about you? Do you have a third day in your life? We find here that Abraham looked up Mount Moriah, saw his problems, didn't take his eyes off the problem, but he also saw Jesus. He also saw Jesus. And here we find that in true, he told his men, we will return. 
Abraham's mountain of testing of faith, he saw his problem and he saw Jesus. Uh, Hebrews 12, verse 2, our theme verse, our theme thought for here at Heritage Baptist Church, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus. When you feel like you're being tested for your faith, look unto Jesus. When people fail you, look unto Jesus. When circumstances mount up against you, look unto Jesus. When you're a doubt about what to do, look unto Jesus. When you're afraid, look unto Jesus. When you're tempted, look unto Jesus. When you fail flat on your face, look unto Jesus. When frustrations come your way, look unto Jesus. When you feel like you can't take it or make it anymore, look unto Jesus. When your needs of the sins being forgiven are needed in your life, look unto Jesus. When you need a home in heaven guaranteed, look unto Jesus. When you have a home here as a substitute on the cross of Calvary, look unto Jesus. Whatever your needs are, you can look unto Jesus today. Your day three will come. And will you look unto Jesus? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Do you have an Isaac that you need to lay at the altar today? Do you see your faith being tested and tried? Do you shrink away from that? Or do you realize that God's going to do something great in your life? Abraham had a greater trust in the Lord, and his time with Christ was super, super. It was the greatest experience of his entire life. All because he went through the fiery trial of his faith. What about you, Christian? Are there things in your life that you need to lay here? Are there things in your life you need to give up? Are there things in the life that are getting you down? Look unto Jesus. Father, it's a simple truth. One that we often forget to look unto you. And I pray that today we will do just exactly that because we will come under the fires of the enemy, much like what we talked about reckless, going through tough times, difficult times, making a journey back and forth, back and forth in our life, wondering, are we going to survive? Are we going to come through? Will we ever, ever have hope restored once again? Look unto Jesus. I pray for those here today that do not know your son, Jesus Christ. I pray that if they need their sins forgiven, a home in heaven, that they will come to you and trust you for their salvation. For Christians, tried, disappointed, shell-shocked, I pray they'll come and look unto you. For it's all in Jesus' name we ask. On behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlett.org.